spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Andian from Spoken Label. A spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and records show it started off really as a one-off podcast chatting to writers, poets and artists. Over time, it became monthly, then weekly and occasionally nowadays it goes on that to a more regular basis. To date, I've done over 330 sessions and I'm always looking for new poets, writers, artists, singer-songwriters, general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast. You can find this on all the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label, which is all one word, dot bandcamp.com. Obviously now, to help me with the running costs of this podcast, I'm always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it. You can either do the donation through the Bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts, or send it over to my PayPal to aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. Enjoy the podcast. Take care. Bye. Spoken Label. Hi guys, Andy N. Spoken Label. On a Sunday evening. And it's, I'm going to say sorry because this is an adult content podcast already. This is a bit it's been fucking boiling today. It's been nearly 30 degrees and we've had thunderstorms and rain massively about an hour ago. So... It kind of makes sense for us today to go to speak to this wonderful writer next to me who's living in an even hotter country than us. We've got fantastic Molly Garcia. Now, I've been chatting to Molly on Facebook for about, what, about two or three months now, haven't we? So, Molly, yeah. And it's it's quite a good story. We've got chatting originally because, should we say, tell people how we, how we first met? Yes, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I've got a bit of a mission on one of them groups, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, so one of these writers' groups, and Molly here was then standing up against spammers, and I got, I perfectly agreed with what she said. And it just ended up we ended up chatting, didn't we? And then like, we both got to know each other's style and sense of humour, and then like, we got to know I got to know Molly for writing after that, really. And it was a complete accident, but that's, that's the best way sometimes that is. So, but you were you were dead funny. You were in those groups. I'm not going to name the group. And I'm not going to tell it because I'll just say it was worth it was funny, so and I you were dead right. So, but anyway, Molly, okay, I'm gonna let you first of all, you better tell people obviously where you're living now, away from Ridgeland. Should we start off? Tell us about what started off your creativity. 
Um, I live in Tenerife now, although I, I did live in the UK for a long time. Uh, we came out here in 1997 originally. Then we went back to the UK when my daughter was small because she was born here. And then we returned as very sharpish just before Brexit to make sure we, we could we could return to the island that we'd lived on for so long. Um, I used to write. I used to write a lot when I was younger. And I even sent stuff off to sort of publishers back in the day when you didn't email things because we didn't have one. So you you basically printed it all off and yammed it into a great big envelope and trudled yourself down to the post office in the rain to get them to sort of deliver it for you. Oh, God, yeah. The, the old stamp address envelope day, wasn't it? God, yeah. yeah and they'd weigh it, make sure that, you know, you hadn't gone over. And obviously it was a whole manuscript. So <laughs> you'd be like, mm, great. Hopefully this will go somewhere. Um, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> usual case back in those days <laughs> wasn't it? yeah you know the dreams of you know the first time you send it off to somebody they're just going to come back and go oh my god you're so amazing would you like a million pounds it it, it yeah it hasn't happened <laughs> it didn't happen hasn't and happened to me either so i don't you mean <laughs> yeah you, know, you get busy and you just don't you don't sort of you write for fun sometimes but you don't really do anything much with it just sort of sits there and then when we moved here it was kind of like Oh, this self-publishing thing. Ooh. And it off. I'll probably give that a bit of a whirly. So, yeah, so the, the writing that I'd been doing before, some of it sort of half done, some of it just sort of first draft, unedited stuff, I, I sort of tinkled about with it and sort of made the decision really to publish it myself rather than rather than go through the trauma of, of numerous rejections. Numerous rejections. Yeah, I, it's so I can. I know what you mean. I've gone for that myself. Tensioned as a, when I was a poet, I was not really nowadays. And like I've had what three or four of my books that I've got commissioned, and actually I was offered deals on a couple of them. And you just see them sometimes, and it applies to larger and smaller press. Sometimes you just you see the contract come through. You're sat there thinking, "You bastards, absolute bastards." They sneak things in the deals, don't they? That's why. So. That's why, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, if you're lucky enough to get one, generally yeah. you're probably not going to actually do that well out of it. No, you no. know, I think the dream is that you know, let me get a traditional contract. I'm going to be, you know, they'll they'll give me an advance. You know, my life's going to be like really awesome. They'll publish, they'll publicize it for me out, you know, and it will be bought up by millions, maybe even made into a film. And you know, you can let your imagination get proper carried away, and it, it has happened to people. <laughs> I mean, it does. Oh no. It? I'm not going to name yeah. names, but I actually know somebody that's self-published author like us too. He's just said he's one of his books commissioned by Netflix, would you believe? Exactly. I, and I, I don't know how the hell he's done it. And he, I'm due to speak to him fairly soon. I'm not going to name him. I'm not going to name <laughs> yeah, him. Find out. Find out. I'm going to find out. I'll let, I'll let everyone know if you want to find out. I'll tell you after who the podcast is. But if so, we're not, that's not on air. But <laughs> I'm curious. Now, seriously, before we go into your writing itself, Joe, we've got to do a trigger warning here, haven't we, straight away? So do you want to tell people? I'll let you tell people what the trigger warning is. Because we should have mentioned this from the off. <laughs> yeah, so um, for Willow Weeks particularly, um, it's about a missing child. But it's also a supernatural thriller, so there are parts in it that are probably a little bit more sort of horror orientated than just plain thriller. So, you know, yeah. if your triggers are, are gore and or, you know, missing children, then, yeah, yeah you probably want to be careful with Willow Weeps. There are uh -huh. other books that are not quite as triggering, but... <laughs> Hey, it's yeah, worth just just serious trigger one of this podcast, guys, and girls, so that's why I should have mentioned that from the off. Now, obviously, Joe... I know originally yourself, you started work, your work is in social care, isn't it? 
and he'd work in the NHS for some years now. I don't know if he's still in the NHS, actually. But, um, but I know you've been using a lot of that, haven't you, to guide your writing? And, and she's caught your own bio, basically. It's brilliant. To caught you write complex and realistic characters in the backgrounds. So tell us about that, then, how that led you that direction, then. Um, well, I started working in the NHS when I was 17, so a very long time ago. Oh, well, just a couple of years ago, yeah. <laughs> but um, I've had sort of several breaks where, you know, where I lived here for seven years in my 20s and what have you, but that's where I've always drifted back to. And I kind of, you know, sort of finished up my career in social care. So I work with people in mental health, um, ex-offenders, um, people who've been homeless, rough sleeping. So I, I think that kind of gives you more of maybe an idea of why some of my characters tend to look like they're not going to be very nice people, but always have a bit of a backstory that explains why they've become the way they have, because I think everybody does have one. It's very rare to meet someone who's truly, truly evil without any redeeming features or reasons for being that way. And I think it's important that even in books, your characters are complex enough for someone to say, yeah, I can kind of see why it turned out like that, though. You know, I don't I don't feel sorry for him. He's, he's horrible. But <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah, I think everyone wants a reason as well, don't you? When you hear something really awful's happened, one of the first questions everyone asks is, why? Yeah. You know? No, I agree. I agree with you straight away. What he does is he always got to look at the... It's not just the straight black and white. I'm always a firm believer. You've got to look at the fine lines in the middle. So, yeah, no, agree with you completely with that. So, yeah. You've people will research and discover you've been despite the fact a lot of your books are sometimes have been grisly and gory and whatever else you look at it. You've touched several different ways. Now we'll touch on first of all the, the ones I've not really read yet, which was the Adam and Sarah series. Now tell us about the background in that series, first of all, then. And Hulk, I know you've done a spin-off book in that one, haven't you, as well? So there's been several books in that series dangling around. Yeah, I mean, they were my first two, really. I mean, I would say, you know, it's they are very much around the social care sort of background. I mean, their breach of trust is around supported housing and um, a, a scheme that particularly houses ex-offenders. And again, a, a, probably a trigger warning for the book is that, you know, it's there's somebody killing sex offenders. Obviously leaves you a very big list of why would someone want to do that? Well, well, there's quite a few people that might want to. Well, the so same thing seems to be happening with a weeps, doesn't it, there as well? I think. Yeah. Ball. So you've got the kind of like the really evil, evilly sort of person. And then in bedding down, as per the name, but this is what you say for a rough sleeper who's found somewhere to stay there bedding down for the night. So hmm. it's, um, we met this guy called Big Bill in the first book, but kind of not massively. He was just there in the background. He becomes quite a big part of bedding down because there's someone killing people in the homeless community. And Bill, being homeless, has one foot in each camp. So he's got a little foot in the homeless camp, so they trust him. But also he has a friend in the police service, which is Carpy. So he tends to be the one that they go to, and he helps sort of like smooth the way for them to talk to people that perhaps wouldn't normally speak mm. to them. Mm. But because Bill was kind of interesting, and he gave you a little bit of backstory in Bedding Down, it just kind of occurred to me that maybe he needed his own little his own little novella all of his own to explain how he ended up where he did and now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the next question before we go on to the other two weeks we'll talk about it today when your short story collection was I've I've got I've heard the fantastic audible version of it and also Will of Weeps itself. But I was like that was that's a series now. Tell us about how it varies you doing the series 
you're doing short stories and also a standalone novel. I think with the series, it depends very much. I mean, sometimes they don't intend to be series, and it's just that after you've finished it, you kind of feel that there's something undone with the characters or, you know, mm. the characters were so perhaps good that you think, yeah, I think they've got a little bit more to give yet, a little bit more to give. So they tend to sort of, you know, the next book you're writing, you can't get rid of them out of your head. So all of a sudden they kind of crop up on your page again. You go, oh, for God's sake, there you are. What are you doing? I'll put you back in there then, shall I? Oh, and that's just, kind of how that one went. <laughs> it's so glorious. I've had it myself before now when things like that sneak up in you and you don't expect it. And before you know it, you can end up writing loads of stuff about it. And I've got I've got full full books of poetry or accidents starting off with actually been political things and end up in 200 pages before you know it. So, yeah, so it so easily happens. I'll get you completely with that one. So I think now, characters sometimes think like it's a democracy when it's not. You know, and they just go off doing their own thing, and you're just kind of like, no, 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 you don't, don't get a vote. <laughs> yeah. And what are you like with them when you, do, when you plan these sort of series out and about your novels? I'm, I know the novel I've got on the go at the moment and the novel I'm writing, I've let the characters just live a lot, writing all tons of notes on them, and a lot of it won't go in the books themselves. We just take, I want them to live a life, basically, before I don't destroy it. <laughs> I don't like an awful lot of planning. It's kind of like the original idea comes. We go, oh, yeah, see, that would be a really good idea. And then it writes itself to start with. And then I tend to make like loads of little notes everywhere where I think, yeah, this is what should happen next or this is who should turn up or... You know, and it, it kind of comes slowly. And I, but I know a lot of people work from proper outlines where, yeah. <laughs> like real ones, where they go, these are all my characters, this is chapter one, this is where they're going to end up. I, I I can't do that, to be honest, too, too structured. I'm not very good with that at all. I just kind of, like, fly in there. Yeah, I um, do. And I know Amanda does as well, so. Yeah. <laughs> I found, I've got to tell you, I found the other day, and I've been working on this a couple of weeks, I'm just trying to bung you through grammarly at the moment, and then I'm going to try and get another draft in it done. I found the 40-word thousand novel, which I'd thought I'd lost about five or ten years ago, and I found it the other day, and I'll this kind of thought, oh, I thought, it is a lot. There's another couple of drafts, but you know what I mean? You, you find things, and then you look back, you get caught out, game in a writer sometimes. That's why, but yeah. yeah. Sometimes you want to bring them back to life because you have a little yeah. read through and go, well, actually, this isn't all, this is all right, this. Yeah, that's what it's <laughs> like, this one is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it needs a lot of work. And I bought the Grammarly things corrected about through first weeks when we dyspraxic, but it needs a draft. And I've got to get them a chap couple of chapters in the middle of it. But yeah, it'll be 50,000 words. So then it's out there, get it out and so watch your space. So anyway, this is Joe. We're about to talk about you, really. Now, the first one of yours I read was Conuppence, Dark and Twisted Tales which you kind of sent over me the code and on uh, Audible, which was probably only, I've only listened to two three books on Audible. And it, I'm going to be honest with you, it took me bloody ages to work out how to download this as well, <laughs> as with Weaves <laughs> as well, I'm stupid on them. But I loved it. And but tell us then about Comeuppance then. Because like I said, Comeuppance kind of says it all where there's a lot of characters in these books that meet the Comeuppance. But it's, what made you want to do this as a, a short story book? I quite like writing horror short stories for fun. Mm. So it was kind of like in between writing this, you know, the other stuff. Every now and again, I'd kind of get this little idea for a horror story and I'd be like, yeah, that would be nice. And I'd start it 
and it wouldn't turn into a book it'd just be a you know a short story maybe five six thousand words mm. and I'd just tuck it away away tuck it away I had a little folder called short stories literally and just kind of tuck them in there and then I was sort of reading through them and I thought do you know what they'd actually you know you could kind of have like a little book of short stories couldn't you just just from these and then I found they were kind of following a, a little bit of a theme some of them so I, I the ones that were themed I sort of put together because I'd say the theme really is you know karma because you don't get karma often enough in the real world, do you? You know, people get away with stuff they shouldn't get away with. Mean people never get their comeuppance. They're always, they always come out smelling like roses. And I thought, you know, no, no, not in Molly's world. No, in Molly's world, they're going to get theirs. <laughs> so they did. They every did. Kind of like, see this one? See how horrible they are? Just wait. <laughs> they get it. They get it. Yeah, it was grisly. I'm not even going to tell people which story to look at because I thought they're all brilliant. The ones I, all, all of them I've read straight away and I thought it was tremendous stuff, but yeah, it was one of those ones that you sat there thinking, I felt sorry for two. I've got another name with story. There was two of them I actually felt sorry for where the characters died. And it was one where, oh, it was the one where they got someone got out by rats or something, wasn't it? Rats or... Oh, the um, the sewers. Sewers, yeah, that one. I felt sorry for the character that got that one. Not naming who it was, but I felt sorry for the bull book. Did you really feel and... sorry for him? Oh, he was horrible, though. He was so mean to everyone. He yeah, was so he was... And, and you I have sat- to get rid of them somehow. <laughs> yeah. You're going to do it, you do it in style. That's all I'm going to say. And that was style. And I sat there thinking, you've been an absolute git in this story. And then, I know, those, I don't want to give too much away. But we well, NIMBY, NIMBY. I mean, that, that is the most evil old person you've probably ever met in your life, isn't it, really? I mean, yeah. you know, you wouldn't want to raise your neighbour, would you? <laughs> oh. uh, the neighbour one, which we were going to mention, yeah, that was, <laughs> I actually thought of when I was growing up with my mum and dad, and now thankfully don't listen to this podcast, my family don't either. We had a neighbour <laughs> next door to us, and she kept reminding me of her, she did. And it was like, and I thought myself, <laughs> you know, thought myself, oh, yes. Is that your neighbour there? I was wondering about that. He's so annoying. He, he spent like about all over Christmas. So he started in about end of September, October. He started doing this DIY stuff, like drilling and doing really noisy shit all day when I'm trying to work and he did it all over Christmas all through January and literally that's how the idea came to me where I was just like do you know what I'm gonna kill you off <laughs> in a story <laughs> really? how did that um, was some of those stories easy to write and others then would have been like one-off short stories like that for yourself I think sometimes short stories are harder to write and actual novels sometimes they seem to kind of come to a natural end at that point so where some of them are some of them are longer I mean I think there's there's a couple that are sort of about seven eight thousand words long I think entwined is quite long especially yeah. I think it's probably the longest one isn't it but yeah, yeah it's quite it's quite longer. a long it's quite a long audible book actually as well if people wonder about that because it was what, seven and a half hours long was it, it was yeah long, wasn't it so yeah now we have to I'm going to talk on a bit about your audible side of things because the two I've heard were read by two fantastic gentlemen, one of which I want to try and get on Spoken Label with a different podcast. But let's go and talk before we do that. Let's talk about Willow Weeps and your novel, which you sent to me about what, two weeks ago, basically. Which was, and this is why I'm putting the trigger warning on it, one of the most disturbing books I've ever read. <laughs> which is really weird, isn't it? Because it's not the horror book, no. It's the supernatural thriller that gets the novel. Yeah. <laughs> and this, people wonder, I'll say, like, no, I'm married to a horror writer. This was like... I told Amanda about this, and she's just been bombed out with her freelancing work. But she said that she wants to read this, see how gory it is. And I said, Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> good. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
just rubbing their hands together thinking challenge let's see if challenge accepts <laughs> trigger warnings kind of work both ways don't they it protects people who who would be disturbed by it but it also encourages some people to go trigger warning oh how tidy i'm having a bit of that i'm like it when i watch a tv program as soon as they put it up on the screen they're like warning this contains and you're like oh yes oh yes yeah, well, I'm, I'm married to somebody <laughs> when we watch horror films there's all these trigger warnings at the top of 18 somebody's in the room is going yes yes oh yes <laughs> the back going oh yes yeah. look at this. and then uh, if telling what certain film we're going to watch so you're going to get a big bottle of cider in and have crisping, that's all I'm going to say, right? Just have a laugh. <laughs> and I bet you're like that as well, probably. Yeah, it's just like, oh, here we go. Look, it's going to be nasty. <laughs> Everyone else leaves the room. <laughs> yeah. We watched, we watched, um, we watched Evil Dead Rise the other week, we did. And, and oh, blimey, that was gory. That was gory. <laughs> Do you reckon it's as horrible as my search engine looks? <laughs> my probably search not. engine is horrific. <laughs> Just for, re- just for research purposes, of course, isn't it? So. <laughs> now, obviously, tell us about Willow Weeps, then. What made you want to... First of all, what was the trigger to this book, then? What led you into Willow Weeps? So, I had this little idea, and it's where it starts. So, I started off with, oh, imagine, you know, imagine being the little brother that's in charge of your little sister, and, and she goes missing. You know, she vanishes, and she's never seen again but you were in charge of her. So my, my kids have got like a 10 year age gap and they're very close. So I think, you know, my, you know, my little girl's sort of older brother would be horrified if anything had happened to her while he was in charge of her. And while, you know, he, he would be similar, like moaning that he was being dumped with his little sister, he'd do the best he could for her. Do you know what I mean? But imagine if the worst thing happened and it just kind of came in my head. So I've written that first bit, which is sort of based in 1993 when it sort of happens. And it kind of grew from there. And then my daughter came up with an excellent little character because she loves, she, I mean, her favourite series when she was a kid was always Ghost Whisperer. So she wanted to see like a Ghost Whisperer type character who wasn't as girly. She's not massively keen on the whole free dress girly thing. So that's where Cleo came in. I thought, Do you know what? Cleo could be in my new one, actually, with the whole, you know, like fairground missing kitty thing. And then as soon as that idea came, the rest of it sort of potted on as to how will you bring, you know, how, how do you bring all these characters together into an actual story? And it just sort of wrote itself, really. That that one came out quite easy. Yeah, yeah. It just shows you sometimes. There were some books like it. They actually, they just tend to take off in direction you're not expecting sometimes, don't they, with that one? So, but as we I said, we have to talk about this, obviously, it really was a gory book. Was there any scenes in it that actually freaked you out in it when you were writing it? Um, I don't get like the, the whole sort of like scared thing. I think I think probably the most horrible bit potentially is the death of one of the blokes that was involved in the original case when he's alone in his house. That that's probably quite unpleasant. But I think for me it was it was like I'd get really upset writing about sort of like potentially sort of like the little bits where the family would feel really distressed at not knowing what had happened to her and stuff. And I found that more upsetting than writing the gory stuff because the gory stuff's kind of like, it's usually the bad people that are getting it. So you just, <laughs> well, oh, there you, God, yeah. you can have a bit of that. <laughs> but, oh, 
God, yeah, completely that one. And it was like that was harder, really. You don't want anything horrible to happen to nice people, do you? So if I no, really yeah, that was it was well, it was difficult. And it was interesting at the end of it, yeah. And I have to go into spoiler territory is that the prisoners scenes that came into the book. And I was sat there thinking, of, oh God, after what we've just gone through with the rest this of this. isn't gonna end well. <laughs> nope. No, it didn't. I'll, <laughs> and it didn't. That's all I'm going to say with that one. Should we just say, right, we'll leave it a bit there, definitely with that one. God almighty, yeah. But that one, how long did it take you to write this book then? Because it was, I know it was, it was four and a half hours in Audible. So it wasn't obviously as long as come up and so anyway, that's a show of it. So, yeah. I mean, it was, it took two and a half, three months. Well, it's not bad then, is it? So it's not, that's what I mean. Yeah, like, it's not too bad. It came like, really came for itself, but I was like, found it really hard to sleep sometimes because I'd have all these ideas. So I'd be getting up and typing away at sort of three o'clock in the morning. My other half would be like, well, hello, where are you? Oh, morning. <laughs> yeah. Morning. Yeah. <laughs> have you been out here? Five hours now, I think. <laughs> yeah. So word is that you ain't going anywhere. You ain't going anywhere just yet. That's just your word. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. No, I get Okay. Completely. Like, it's just, so it just, Books sometimes, like I said, for going lives on their own, don't they? So with that one. Now, in both of these books, obviously, I've been not reading and listening to. They've been narrated in both by fantastic gentlemen as well. So tell us about the next and what made you want to try to start bringing as many books out in Audible? Well, I was in one of um well, I'm in, in some of the on Facebook and on some readers' groups as well as well, which is obviously a really cool place for an author to hang out <laughs> with. Of course. Me. You may want to read your books. And obviously we're all big readers too. You don't write books unless you happen to like reading. So they're kind of cool places. And I noticed a lot of people were putting up that they would be more willing to try a new author if it was available in audio, because for you know particular reasons, quite a few people were saying, you know, maybe eyesight problems or being neurodiverse, they might find it much easier to listen to an audio than they would have a physical book. So I'm kind of like, oh, yeah. And I looked into it a little bit and it looked like it was going to be like mega expensive. And I'm kind of like, yeah, this is probably going to be one of those one day in the future things. And then someone told me that ACX do quite a lot of different um, offers and options. And they do one called royalty share. And that means you don't put anything up front. You and the narrator share, you know, split the profits in half with each other. So, you know, obviously the more you sell, the more both of you will make from this project and it means you don't have to find those upfront costs so it makes it possible for everyone but it also means it's it's you know it's, it's a good quality it's not you know it's not one of those rubbishy quality ones where someone's done it on google ai and they've got sort of a little robotic voice reading it off you know it's, it's like a proper proper good quality audio but as, as good as any of the others that are out there and i think it's taken off a little bit more in some ways than the, the sort of my printed copies and what have you because yeah, they do sound pretty good. They do sound pretty good, especially oh, when come up and they are. And becoming Bill is also an audio. Yeah, so there's no, two of them out there, which is great. No, they are because both the two other are absolutely fantastic, and you do it helps like you. I think your narrators were absolutely spot on with it as well. You're two really good narrators there, and obviously, like I said, well, I'm going to try and get one of them back on spoken label soon as well. So the poor gentleman's had some family issues, so it's like. That will happen, but anyway, we'll come on to that another day, as I would say, definitely. So, but uh, yeah, but I can, I was just starting to wrap up now. I'm conscious of the time tonight as well for you. But, um, obviously, like, sort of person you are, I, I know looking at your website, you've always got other bits and pieces on the go. So, what's next for you then, writing wise? 
Um, I've just published a book called The Love of His Life. It's a psychological thriller with a stalker theme, trigger warning again, potentially, somebody, with a sort of quite a big twist. I wrote it a long time back, and I had tried to get that published traditionally, so it's that gathering proverbial dust in my file for ages and ages, and and I haven't had the interest. But I've had some very nice rejections where they said, oh, it's not the story, I think it's excellent, it's really good, you should, try, you should self-publish it. It's just that we can't take anything new on at the moment. And I think a lot of it's the financial situation everybody's in. The smaller publishers just aren't, you know, willing to take a, a punt on a new author because financially they're they're a bit concerned. So I thought, do you know what, sod it, I will. I'll put it out myself. So that one's out there with the second books. It's a trilogy. So the second book's already on pre-order for that. But it's there's a quite a big twist just towards the end of, of part one that will probably take people by surprise because that's sort of the main feedback I've had so far from readers have been like oh wow yeah I wasn't expecting that it's not as gory a little bit but not not as gory as, as any of the others so <laughs> that's good I think you always I'm always of the opinion but I think you've got to keep your readers on your toes anyway so and that way then I'm thinking oh Oh, do they? Everyone, I mean, I think a lot of times a, a particular subject becomes popular and then everybody mm. does it, they do it in the same way and, and it dies a death. So I wanted to do something a little bit bit different with it. But that one's going to be in audio too. So there's a young lady actually Ooh. currently recording oh, yeah. that. So. Oh, good, good, yeah. Always reminds me where Amanda's, obviously we told Amanda already, one of Amanda's um, audible books, uh, one of the, some of her novels are quite audible. I remember her getting a 14-year-old girl to... We found out halfway through it, I was doing one of the zombie novels, and we had to get permission off the parents to do it. <laughs> she was really good as well, she was. But like, it was like she must have secretly loved all the bad language, you know, it's not quite happening. You do, but like, it's, oh, it's just, it's just, you just don't know what you're going to get sometimes, do you, people? So it's like, it adds to the fun, I think, sometimes. That was, <laughs> yeah, so, oh, excellent. <laughs> Good luck there, definitely, with that one. So, now, as of all, we're not actually having an audio, audio extract of this podcast today for a few reasons. I've been trying to get to get an extract, but it's not, it's not come together. But, anyway, and Molly, what we're going to let you do is give us the hard sell then. So, tell people if they want to find out more about you, where do you recommend they go first of all? Uh, so, everything is on Amazon. I mean, you can't avoid using the Zon, whether you like it or not. Um, but there are other digital platforms that you can purchase books from like Barnes and Noble and uh, Waterstones online so that they are everywhere so if you google my name my author name you will generally find quite a lot of the stores that are selling my books but you will definitely find them all on Amazon and um, like I say three of them are already in audio and another two are in production at the moment so this the other horror short story collection will be due out in the next few weeks and that will be followed by the love of his life which will also be coming out possibly about a month's time and then that'll be followed by the second in the series which will also come out on audio too so just keep an eye and obviously if you're, i've said that's all you've ever is now also your website i know you've got your own website as well haven't you as well so as well, i know you've got your you can find your own website and you you can find your facebook and your book and amazon like you said that as well so easily you can easily track it down even. Yes, my, yeah. my daughter made me do a TikTok. So I am at... Oh, wow, you got a TikTok? Oh, wow. Yes. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Anna told me that this is the place you go for sex because apparently BookTok's huge, she said. So get on there and, and like do videos. Well, I don't do videos of me, I do videos of the books. There's like no way I'm putting videos of me on there. So oh, I stop that. I know. Oh, I've done loads. I've done quite a few of the poems on there. I'm going to post my short stories up as well. And you do like it. You get tons of views on that. And you think to myself, what? Oh, it's scary. It's really scary. So, <laughs> and then you get those weird messages, don't you? Well, you probably being a blade, you don't get quite as many, but it's like really bizarre. So, like, hello, you are beautiful, great author. Oh, <laughs> can I call oh, had... your friend? And you're like, oh I've no, had... no, I've had um, two Russian <laughs> prostitutes contact me so far on that. <laughs> quite disturbingly, so have I on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've got plenty of them, right? <laughs> Well, this one I've had on that was on Facebook, and some Russian spammer tried contacting me. Now, if you look at my Facebook profile, and you know this already, your friends with me, Molly, in it, and like, you see a picture of me and Amanda on there, and Amanda is on oh, the picture in question, I was slightly more forward to the camera than me. And this Russian spammer thought Andy was Amanda. <laughs> 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 yeah, and you just, just, just well, is it? <laughs> I just bang my bang my head on the ceiling. He was he was messaging me saying, "You are very beautiful. I would like to marry you." And I thought, "I wish you back." Who are you talking to here? <laughs> <And you> just... <laughs> oh, my favorite was some woman on Twitter actually sent me a picture of her bum. I'm just kind of like, why would I want that? Oh my god! So I actually answered at one point, going, "Hi, why have you sent me a picture of your bottom?" <laughs> oh, just... And then I've checked her out and gone, "Oh, that's why." Oh, I got yeah. you. Oh yeah, yeah. You get blocked that. <laughs> oh no, it's I've got the stage now where, and this is a good good way to laugh to wrap up with today. Was um obviously I, I've got a pair of profile on my website called Matchmaker.fm. That's not a date inside of you, for you wondering, Molly. It's where basically people can contact you. On it's going their podcasts and stuff like that. I have, I have some. I've, I've got a stage on my blog, and I'm going to put some of these up in Substack as well. Of some of the most awful approaches I've had, and I've had some absolutely dreadful ones. <laughs> you could actually do an entire program about that. To be fair, couldn't you? And I think I people would find it quite amusing. Yeah, I'm going to sit down. <laughs> and I'm going to do. I'll edit it down, and Andrew will do something on this because you, you find the stuff you get on trolling on the internet is a, it's a novel itself sometimes. It is. The weird and random shit you get sent is just yeah. out there, isn't it? I mean, yeah. the bottom has to be up there on the list. So I called my daughter over. She was with me at the time like that. Hannah, Hannah, some woman sent me a picture of her bum. <laughs> She's like, yeah, they oh. do, mum. It's like, you know, one of those perf cameras. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they wanted to go and pay $200 a month just to see it. You'd see oh. the rest of the bum. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what and that's what we get like. I class people wonder how we met, like, didn't it? But you were telling somebody off on a spam page, like <laughs> Yeah, I now people are gonna be that. like, are they? Mm. <laughs> yeah, and that's what you get like, is like you get spam bots that contact me all the time trying to say, I will make your pod your podcast very successful. And you get them all on like dodgy editing and whatever else you don't, you so <laughs> I'll market your book. Have you got a website? No. How are you going to market the book? Fuck off then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get so many. One there. follower on Facebook. Go on, get on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what they're doing. They just keep, they're all they just, if you took it, they take it, they either don't do it with it or they just click what refreshing your page about 500 million times, don't they? 
The last time I had one, I, I clicked on his thing. He did. He literally had five followers. So I, I sort of emailed him back with like, I thought I was unpopular, mate. You really are not doing well. Five followers, seriously. <laughs> that is really poor. Fuck off. <laughs> exactly. Not even been nice to people. So I know, listen, guys, it goes, me and Joe are going to, okay. Oops. Right. Me and Molly, I nearly, nearly said it then, nearly outed you then. I'm going to raffle for you, so we're going to have a chat for a bit. So, <laughs> thankfully, the internet went unstable then, so people didn't catch me out in you. So <laughs> we're going to raffle for you. And we're going to have a few this has been great fun, this one, Molly. So keep in touch, okay? Definitely on that one. And I'm going to have yeah. a chat to the boss next door. And at one point, we're going to get the three of us on talking about go uh, bits of ghostwriting and bits and pieces that I've done copywriting. I know what you two do, and it, it could be a fascinating podcast to let you two talk about the... Well, we'll just do an stories. entire banter session on spammers and scammers. <laughs> I'll bring her on. We'll, we'll sort that one out when I do, this, do the autumn season. That would be hilarious. Like you could do like a little sort of... Like invite a couple of people, and we'll all just sit there and just talk about the like the, the funniest and the worst <laughs> spammer so, scammer messages. That's a, really, that's a really good idea, that. Now, I've, I know... I know um, I'm, I'm rambling before we come off here. I know Comic Poet is absolutely superb for that. And I thought, I'm going to put a call out on that. Yeah, we'll do that in the autumn. We'll get you on, get Amanda on. It would really help self, I think it would help other people because I think there are newbies out there who are falling for that stuff. And you can make it funny, but at the same time, hopefully somebody listening will go, oh, I've had one of those messages. Perhaps I shouldn't have given them my link. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Definitely sort that one out. Listen, anyway. We'll wrap up anyway. here anyway. <laughs> anyway, guys and girls, it's been a pleasure today, Molly. I said we will have you on here again, definitely, because it's been one of the funniest podcasts <laughs> I've had in ages. And I get some I get some characters on there for a little bit. Some really so. random folks. <laughs> well, best way, best way to be. So right there, listen, guys and girls. As Don Callis over at AEW Wrestling says, stay safe and stay fucking over. And we will see you all next time. Spoken, mate.